Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to episode number 14. Welcome to everyone listening today and welcome especially to all the new listeners of the show. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, now is that opportunity to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And then also we have a community that we're building on Facebook and um, I want you to join that community if you want to interact more with other like-minded individuals, if you want to dive into the topics a little bit deeper and just if you want to surround yourself with the people that can help you stretch your thinking and, you know, strengthen your mindset, it's in this group that we just get to ask questions about recommended topics and speak about the guests and this create a platform for collaboration and support towards one another as we become a better and higher version of ourselves. So without any further ado, today's guest is Tim Tamashero. Now, Tim, I found Tim through an online search It's a concept that I recently learned, actually earlier this year, called Ikigai. And he is a master on Ikigai. So if you don't know what Ikigai is, we're going to jump into that concept while we're in the episode. But just a little bit of background on Tim. He wrote a nonfiction book called How to Ikigai. He's also a speaker, a singer, actually, (laughs) and a seeker of wonder. He was the former host of a nightly national jazz program called Tonic on CBC Radio 2. And uh, yeah, at the end of a decade as a radio host, Tim just felt like he wanted to, or he had the desire to pursue deeper meaning in his life's work. I mean, I can relate. I also had this, you know, existential moment way back, like in my, my varsity days. Now, after that, he left CBC to study positive psychology and also Ikigai, which means life's worth. So he took like a year-long Ikigai here to, to learn all about or more about this Ikigai concept. So he has also learned that his personal Ikigai means to delight. And now he offers keynotes and workshops and music performances uh, to share his Ikigai. And then ultimately, he was also asked to speak at a TEDx event. And his presentation was on how to Ikigai. So now today, we'll basically find out more about this concept, what it means and how it can be valuable to us. So yeah, basically we discussed what it is, um, how he found it earlier in his life, you know, how do we take it throughout life? What is the the limits of the education system uh, and how can people seek their ikigai? And just a little bit of a touch on positive psychology. So yeah, without any further ado, let's jump into the show. Hi there, Tim, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm very happy to have you on the show today. Well, thanks for reaching out across the world so that I can uh, sit here and talk with you, Christopher, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So I'm here today to just chat to you a little bit about this concept called Ikigai. But before we jump into that, I just want for those listening to know who Tim is, you know, so perhaps just like briefly explain to us like who you are, where you come from, and just like, you know, what, what brings you here today? 
Oh, sure. So my name is Tim Tamashiro. Uh, I'm a Canadian. Uh, I live in uh, Calgary, Canada. And uh, uh, so my life has always been focused on just ensuring that I always do the things that I love to do. And that started off in music when I was around 20 years old. And then it went into music business. And then it went into uh, uh being a jazz singer for 30 years and that turned into being a national radio host for, for another 10 years. And at the end of that 10 year stretch of uh, doing the work on CBC radio in Canada, I came to realize, you know what, I'm 51 years old and I still have things that I want to go out there and to learn and to explore. And I was fascinated with this concept called Ikigai. So I thought I want to go into the world and really study Ikigai almost I would say full time. So I quit my job. <laughs> I saved up for it, but I quit my job <laughs> and uh, essentially, essentially said, okay, I'm going to spend the next however long exploring what it is that I love to do and what I'm good at. I want to know why the world needs what I do. And I also want to know uh, how I could be rewarded from doing more of me basically every day. So that's uh, when I wrapped up my time at, uh, at CPC and I started exploring the world. And that's when I kind of really landed on what my own personal Ikigai is. And my Ikigai is to delight. And I love to delight every chance that I can. And that includes talking with Christopher on, on the internet. And that includes playing with my dog or, or singing a song on stage or talking on the radio or whatever the case. I always want to delight people, give my gift to the world so that the world can say, oh, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. And that's my reward. So you said it happened by the age of 51, right? That's right. Now, my first question to you would be, do you wish that happened earlier in your life? Well, you know, in a lot of, wor uh, a lot of ways, Christopher, it, it has happened throughout my life. I mean, for me to fully understand what my Ikigai uh, uh, is only happened when I was 51. That was for me to be able to understand, okay, this is what to delight is what I, what I can get up and I can do just to have it that clear. But when I think back and I go, okay, well, uh, music has always been about delighting people. And talking on the radio has always been about delighting people. And same when I was in the music space, it's, you know, I was working with uh, big acts like uh, well, uh, Guns and Roses and Peter Gabriel and, and all that. But it was always about making sure that not only were the acts happy uh, with their visits to where I was living, because that was always marketing and promotion sales, but that my guests and that my customers, that they were always happy, you know? I just wanted to make sure that, they were, that everybody was always thoroughly entertained and delighted. So I've been doing this all my life, but to be able to kind of narrow it down into one specific action that I can wake up in the morning and go, oh, that's my work today. Mm. My work is to delight. And just to boil it down to that simple concept, I, uh, uh, I'm just so delighted to do, <laughs> pardon the pun, I'm just so delighted that I can do that now. And, and it's not just something that me, the author, can do, but it's something that anybody can do if you take the time and you go through the steps and you can kind of boil it down into understanding what your essence is, what your ikigai is. Right. So, so far we've alluded to what Ikigai is. Now let's jump into that and just tell the audience what this concept Ikigai is all about. And, you know, so we can get more context on what we've been talking about and what it means to you. Ikigai is a concept 
that has been around for a couple thousand years. It comes from the island Okinawa, Japan. Uh, Okinawa is this tiny, impossible little island in the just on the edge of the uh, Pacific Ocean and I believe the China Sea, East China Sea. And basically, there was a couple thousand years ago, there were some uh, women divers. Uh, they're called AMA divers, A-M-A, AMA divers. And these AMA divers would go down to the o ocean every day and they'd gather on the shore and they would talk with each other and they would enjoy each other's stories and they'd gossip and they'd laugh and they'd tell mm -hmm. jokes. And then they would take their big buckets, which were wooden buckets, and uh, that would float almost like little boats almost. And they'd swim out into the ocean and then they would dive down as far as they could to gather things like oysters or sea cucumbers or kelp or whatever they, whatever they could. And they would gather this up and they would put it into their little uh, buckets. And this was their, their work every day. They got, to, they got to be providers for the community and to provide food. And they loved doing this because, number one, it was a social activity. Uh, number two, they were helping the community. And number three, they were super good at it. You know, these divers could go down swim down 70 or 80, 80 feet sometimes, and they could stay down there for two or three minutes, gathering up bits and bits and bits, and then coming back up, put it up. So these hmm. uh, divers decided uh, that they wanted to come up with some sort of a name for what was uh, so wonderful about what it is that they do. So they, they started calling, calling what they do ikikai. Iki in Japanese means life, and kai means shell. So it's almost like life in a shell. Hmm. And then Ikikai morphed into Ikigai and became really a central part of Okinawa's uh, uh, daily philosophy. That if you get up and you do something that, uh, if you do something that you're good at and that you love to do, then it is going to help the community and you can be rewarded for it. And that rewarded, by the way, is just, is not uh, that you can be paid for it although that could be part of it, but just to be, have the, the uh, benefit of, of going, oh, people really needed that or, or people really enjoyed that. So that's rewarding to me that I could supply that. So that's the four tenements of Ikigai. It really has four rules or shall we say directions. Do what you love, do what you're good at, do what the world needs and uh, do what you can be rewarded for. Right. So once you've bundled those four together, then you can say that you've found your Ikigai. Do you find that your Ikigai also changes through life or does it, is it, is it a static or is it a, like a changing dynamic thing? Life changes throughout life. Your Ikigai may not. Hmm. Uh, uh, it, I think it just depends on, on the individual, you know, I mean, I could, I know stands, uh, my Ikigai to delight is just something that I've naturally done all throughout my life but I wasn't able to, to put a label on it because I didn't fully understand it until I studied it and I explored it deeper. But, uh, you know, I mean, a starter pack of Ikigai uh, actions might be to teach or to build or to uh, explore or to heal, for mm. example. So every one of those actions are something that has multiple facets to it. When you say to teach, it could be uh, you could uh, that you're that you're teaching others about about 
philosophy. I mean, that you're, that you're just teaching by good example, or you're teaching uh, about, you have a passion about, about sharing ideas, or it could, uh, you know, there's so many different facets to uh, each action that uh, once you really kind of dig deeper into Ikigai and exploring it for yourself, then you can uh, come up with a, a greater understanding about what it is that you are absolutely good at and that you love it to do it. So to teach might be your Ikigai. I don't know. It seems like this word Ikigai revolves around action, taking some form of action. Like you said, it's that one word for you. It's the light. It might be teach. It might be healing. And uh, I, I, find it, I find it very, very profound. Do you think it's, it's part of our natural flow in life? And we just start to, in a way, gain the awareness, you know, the, being able to self-reflect and say, this is my natural way of doing or being in, in, you know, everyday situations. Would you then say if we're able to take a step away, have some self-awareness and say, this is what I'm always doing. This is possibly part of my Ikigai. That's exactly it. And that's a, and you just used a, a fascinating word there, your natural flow. Mm. Remember when you were a little kid, you just, you just had this natural flow about you and, and the only, your only, your only thing that you wanted to do every day is you get up and you just wanted to play. You had absolutely no idea what that was going to be, but it could be drawing. It could be playing with toys out in the yard. It could be chasing your friends. It could be riding your bike. It could be all sorts of different things, but that was your only work that you had to do every day is to play. And that was all just flow. You never had to think about it. But as we grow older, there's other things that we start to re recognize about ourselves as well. Uh, some people might uh, be naturally good at, a leadership, for example, you know, so you'll see mm. people in sports teams, perhaps, you know, playing football or uh, where, the, where they're naturally good uh, athletically, but they're also very, very good at gathering people together and, and having people follow their direction. That is natural leadership. So that's flow. And you see a lot of leadership people kind of going into their own kind of geeky guy of, of becoming leaders in not only uh, sports, but maybe even business or in education or something along those lines. So again, that, that whole idea of flow that you've just brought up, that's a, a perfect way of, of describing the essence of Ikigai. Because, uh, uh, you know, as kids, we all have flow, but we tend to stop paying attention to what our flow is once we get into the education system for some reason. And I'm, and I'm going uh, on a bit of a diatribe here right now, Christopher, but <laughs> I, I wanted to point this out. You know, when, when we start going to school, you know, we, we're told, uh, uh, learn reading and writing and arithmetic and follow all these rules. And we have a tendency of, of, of merely just following what others say that we need to learn as opposed to just sticking a little bit more to just being more of ourselves. And that is a challenge in Western society. It's very much a challenge in Western society that, uh, you know, when, when kids wrap up their primary and secondary school or high school or whatever it is that we call it around the world, uh, you know, 17 or 18 years old, one of the first questions that they get asked by adults is, so what are you going to do now with your life? The challenge in that is that these, these kids have just followed rules their entire life. And now they're expected to make a guess uh, based on what education options there are out there uh, versus 
what can you do to find out more about yourself? You know, so uh, I, I encourage uh, students, especially uh, once they're wrapped up in school, to not go to university right away. In fact, uh, don't don't choose and follow through on a career. Instead, uh, go through three more steps. Go and explore. Go and try as many different things as you want. And 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 uh, whatever you're passionate about, if it's art or if it's sports or if it's travel or or uh, cooking or uh, what, the wide wide world of uh, of exploring possibility <laughs> i got a little <laughs> plug in there for you uh, uh if you go out there and you do that and you explore that provides you with information it provides you with input so that you can make a better decision down the road right uh, the step beyond that is uh, first step is to explore second step is to zero in on what it is that is working for you what works and what doesn't work you know take some shots at a, at a few things and see if that really is what your passion is and what it, what it is that uh, you're uh, interested in. And then the third step is to ponder. Take the time to really sit back and to stop exploring, to stop zeroing in and to really be laid back and see if there's something that you can do that where you can just take your brain offline and let it circulate. Uh, you know, in your subconscious. Your subconscious is absolutely the most powerful part of your brain. So having the ability to be able to let your subconscious make those decisions for you is absolutely imperative. So explore, zero in, ponder, and then choose and follow through on what, what it is you think that your life is going to be all about. So it's, it's, it's fascinating uh, uh, that that uh, the world is in such a hurry to get out of primary, secondary, high school, and then to start chasing other uh, a career and to choose and follow through. When there's the happiest people are really the ones who go traveling and go look around the world and go and try things out. Those are the those are the people ultimately that didn't number one spend thirty thousand dollars a year on an education on based on a guess, and number two are the ones who become more worldly by going out there into the, into the, uh, into the world, literally, and trying stuff out. I think you just gave such great advice there with those, especially with those three steps <clears throat> for people, especially coming out of, we call it high school. So, yeah, high school here, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, that's so important because I can relate to that. I was exactly in the same position because when I ended school, I was lost. I was like, I literally learned nothing. I learned, like you said, arithmetic and reading perhaps and regurgitating whatever they gave me. I was in a way good with that. And mm -hmm. obviously we got a little bit of social skills, but not as to the extent that you need in the business world or in the real world, as we would say. So I also feel that there's, and I think you touched on this, the, the follow-up question that I had for you in my mind is, I feel there's such a big gap in the educational system because I actually struggled with school and I now looking back, I realize it's, it's about this point. It's about the fact that they don't harness creativity, you know, and intuition mm -hmm. and we don't discuss things like purpose and, you know, like life's purpose, like Ikigai. We don't, it should, it should, these things should be part of the school system. It should be there. So that would also help eliminate the, the need to, 
if you go if if you if you're done with school to go and then still do a search where if you start early, even primary school, if you start thinking about life and, and seeing it in a different way and shifting perspective on how you fit into the world and thinking about your natural flow, I think it can be such a, a, a big step for the educational system and for, for the generation that's coming up. You know, I, I just wanted your opinion on that. Do you also think, I think you did touch on that, but do you think that's largely due to why people are getting lost and not finding the ikigai. That's why at, you know, the age of 40, 50, 60, people are saying like, wow, I, I don't know what I've done with my entire life. What do you think the educational system is, is part of that problem? Well, I think it's, uh, I think at the educational system is, is doing the best job that it knows how, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, you know, the interesting thing about the educational system is that it's really based on on uh, the the notion that says if we teach facts and and the students can regurgitate those facts back to us, that gives us a, a basis for seeing how good it is that we are doing that. You know, now you know reading, writing, and arithmetic; those those three things are absolutely essential for just for just life, right? Basic. So. I mean, those are. Those are uh, absolutely necessary, but you know, I was I always wondered, you know, why it was that I needed to learn about the, you know, trigonometry when I was in high school, <laughs> and, uh, and and as as luck would have it, you know, one of the first jobs I got out of high school was working on the highways, and I had to use trigonometry every wow. day, so it was like one of those weird kind of one of those weird things. But yeah, but regardless, you know, I mean, the purpose is just such an individual uh, pursuit though mm. you know and it's and it's hard for uh for uh, educators to tailor those those individual pursuits to the students uh so i can see why it isn't uh included uh on a regular basis but the interesting thing is is that i don't know if you see this in south africa but we certainly see this in north america meditation is starting to become a big part of classroom mm. studies and the, just the ability to quieten the mind that in itself is, uh, is encouraging that that is being taught in school now and that the students are starting to see the benefits of it and that they can understand it in deeper ways so that they can utilize that throughout their lives. Meditation, in my opinion, is a big part of the Ikigai process because it allows you to quieten your mind. Then you're able to see yourself in, in a much more delicate uh, and proactive way so that you can start looking at yourself and going, what is my Ikigai? And you can mm. ponder it in a, in a more powerful way. Just, just my opinion. I don't have any facts that can, that can back that up, but, but I, can, I can say that, that I'm encouraged by the educational system's ability to include meditation in uh, their studies. That is very true because I, I haven't seen it in like the biggest schools here, but I have seen some institutions bringing it in as a, like an after school sort of activity, um, mm -hmm. which is, I guess, in some form introducing kids to it, which is amazing. Sure. Because I also have seen that meditation to myself has been an amazing tool. Um, it's not so popular, you know, for nothing. To me, it's, it's, it's helped with the idea of self-awareness, as I spoke to you about it earlier. The mm -hmm. idea of, and I, and I think it's part of your third step, which is ponder, which is mm -hmm. being able to just sit down and 
have the thoughts come to you and not be distracted by the world in, in, in such a way. There's an interesting fact that, I, that I'll, I'll point out. I speak to a lot of business leaders here in Canada on this topic of Ikigai in, in small groups, CEOs and presidents, owners of big companies, and I talk to them about Ikigai. And I, when I go through that step of ponder, mm. one, one thing that I ask him is, is uh, I said, have you ever had an employee come up to you with a, with a, a big question? They say, can, you, can we do this or this or this in the business? And you go, let me think about it. I said, do you ever just walk away and then block off some time and sit there and put your fist on your chin and lean on your desk? And I'm going to think about that question <laughs> for Ted. No, the thing that, that we do in life is that we don't think about it. what we do is we shuffle it into the back of our subconscious and the subconscious does the work for us. So that the next time Ted uh, approaches you and said, did you think about that? You actually did because it happened in your subconscious. And you, you know, my gut tells me that we need to do this or this yeah. or this or this. You know, so that is a that is an important uh, part of life. Ponder, pondering is under uh, underutilized, Definitely. <laughs> maybe or misunderstood, maybe. Yeah, misunderstood. Like you just said, I think that's also what makes sense. That sometimes when you hear people say, and it's happened to me as well, you go into the shower and then the ideas, you know, start popping out. Because it's, oh, at that, yeah. it's at that point where you, you're not as, as busy with um, things that are in front of you and your subconscious has actually had the time to process the information and then give you the answer because you're not, mm -hmm. you know, zoned in with whatever you're busy with. So yeah. I, I really love the subconscious. It's such a fascinating concept. And I love how we got from Ikigai to that, but it's definitely, like yeah. you said, it's part of that. I quickly want to want to pull us back to Ikigai. And mm -hmm. we, we spoke about the passionate side of it. So it's almost like the one circle, the one circle out of the four um, being the things that we're well, passionate maybe about. Should we explain the four, the four the, circle yeah, concept? Bring the four in and then we can, we can touch on each one individually so people can really grasp it and then perhaps go, um, you know, after they listen to this episode, go and then sit down and actually write down whatever they need to write down to get the full picture. Yeah, and this is the this is the greatest challenge in the world of audio is to describe a picture, oh, is tough. to describe a, a Venn diagram. But I'm going to see if we can do this. You and I, here we go, Christopher. We're going to describe this so that people can really understand what. Let's it is. not give away too much, so they can still go and get your worksheet afterwards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Essentially, imagine four circles put together in a diamond pattern. You have one circle at the top. You have two circles right below that. Uh, and then you have one circle down at the bottom. So it's almost like a, a little diamond pattern, but all four circles come together and they link up in the center so that they all share one space in the center. That is uh, the Venn diagram for what Ikigai is. And each circle stands for something different. The first circle stands for do what you love. Second circle is do what you're good at. Third circle is do what you're, uh, what you can be rewarded for. And the fourth circle is do what the world needs. Okay. Gotcha. So it's four circles and, but where they all come together in a confluence in the middle, that is what Ikigai is. So right. if you can, if you can uh, do all four of those and you really under, and you understand what that, what all four of those are, then you understand what your Ikigai is. Mm -hmm. But I would, uh, I would caution people not to think of all four circles at once. In fact, I would, hmm. I would uh, uh, recommend to think of one of the, of the first two circles. What do you love to do and what are you good at? 
So those two questions in, in itself, those are probably the most challenging questions you'll ever ask yourself. And that's why you need to go into the world to explore and to uh, ponder and to follow through. I can agree with what you just said, because to, to me, I'm still in that process of finding, like, I, I guess I, I know what I'm like passionate about, but I'm, it's like, it's like a never ending process to me. It's like, I'm always trying to find that thing. And then the second circle yeah. also, it's like, what am I really, really good at? Like, what is that like thing that separ separates you from the entire world? That is your strength. It's your um, natural flow. It's your thing that you are born to do. Like, what is that thing? So I can definitely mm -hmm. agree on that, that the first two is where the majority of your time is also going to be spent. Um, so would you say it took you 51 years to get all four or then just the, f or to, to round off the first two. To understand, to understand what all four are. It took me 51 years to understand what all four are. And there, and, and I think that that's, a, that's an important point to, uh, I don't want people to be impatient with the process of, of uh, figuring out what Ikigai is, but there's hints that mm. we can pay attention to throughout our lives, you know, uh, um, you know, the, the, the hints are always there. If, if you're good, if you're good at numbers, that's a hint. If you're good at leadership, that's a hint. If you're good at figuring out systems, that's a hint. If you're good at, uh, uh, at, 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 at helping people smile or, or helping people heal, those are all hints, you know, pay attention to what those hints are. And that will lead you towards something that you're really, that, that is essentially what your Ikigai is. What uh, ultimately what it boils down to is that, is that to figure out your Ikigai is going to take work. Mm. So, you, you know, just do the work. That's what it really boils down to is do the work, take the time to explore and to zero in and to ponder what it is that you're passionate about, figure out what it is that you, that you love about life and make that a priority. You know, you didn't wake up, uh, you, you weren't born to go out and to do a, you know, a job that an employer says you have to go and do every day. You got to get up and do more you every day. That's why you're born. So if Ikigai is such an amazing concept, you know, it's such an amazing tool to just live a life full of purpose and happiness. How aren't people doing it? How are people still, still uh, pulled towards like the material stuff? What, I just want to get your perspective on that. Like, what is your take on why people still get stuck? Because now we can pitch this idea yeah. to them, but I just feel like not everyone's going to take it. Is it fear? It's largely fear. Mm. I think you landed on it uh, a thousand percent. If anybody has taken an introductory course in, in elementary psychology at any point in time in their lives, they'll probably learn about something called Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is essentially a pyramid with five, five levels. The base level at the very bottom is food and shelter. You know, you have to be, take care of your physical needs. And the one above that is safety and security. Those are the things that people take care of every single day. Uh, you know, that's the reason why people want to have the, the uh, have a good job and to have uh, regular income is because it's all safety and security, you know? Uh, above that, uh, there's other, there's other factors, but the top of the, of the pyramid is essentially a self-actualization. Uh, most people don't get to that point every day because they're so busy trying to keep the job uh, so that they can have safety and security. So those are the, those are the base level of the things that people are looking for every day. In my case, I don't look for those things. 
I, uh, I know that they're always going to be there, but this is something that I've had to you know, build my mind to. I know that safety and security and food and shelter are always going to be there. But what I need to uh, work on every single day is to do what I am good at and what I love to do. <laughs> I guess that is the, there is the challenge. So most people, I don't want to generalize and say most people, but because I think Ikigai really is something that anybody can do. But once we step back and take a look at ourselves, if, if our primary reason to get up every day is to go and do a job, then that's what we're going to focus on. If our primary reason to get up uh, and uh, every day is to do more of you, then that's what you'll focus on. So ultimately, therein lies the conundrum. Is it, do you want security or do you want freedom? So what you're suggesting is, is that it only takes one shift in your mind to understand that and then start this new journey of yours. Yeah. Mm. That, that you can, you can still have the job that you go to every day and you can still pay the bills and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you can always do more you every day as well. Right. And that includes not only, uh, at, uh, in your spare time, maybe you could start a side hustle or something along those lines. That is more you, you know, if you've always dreamed of, of uh, having a, you know, doing art or doing pottery or something like that as a business, then, then make sure that's a priority that you put the time and energy into, you know, don't burn yourself out at work uh, at, at your job rather so that you forget about the things that you're passionate or you don't have the energy to do the things that you're passionate about. And the other thing is to do something that might uh, this might be a bit of an alien concept for people, but there's a there's an idea that's starting to build called job crafting, and essentially what that is is that is is that you bring more of yourself into your uh, into the, your into your job, you know. So if you're a marketing person who is uh, you know doing social media stuff all the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you also love to do events, put events together, then. Make sure that you're that you talk to the boss, or maybe you just kind of slide it in. You just start doing it. <laughs> you're doing more of the event stuff, so you're bringing more you to your job. Mm. Or if, if if that means that you you know you want to arrange for more volunteer hours for the people at work, make sure that you just include that in your job all the time. Don't even ask for permission. <laughs> just make sure that that is something that you can do uh, that you do, and it just becomes part of your role, so that you can do more you. Yeah, you know, once again, that is that is such great advice. And I feel that, yeah, you know, for everyone listening, like Tim is giving such great advice. And part of doing what he just said is gonna also gonna take us back to the start of Ikigai, which is finding what what you're passionate about. Because as soon as you start finding out what you're passionate about, you can start to inject that into your job and even start enjoying your job a little bit more, whatever that that might be. I also saw that you studied positive psychology. And I just want to touch on that like quickly. When I, is there anything that like, what is the biggest takeaway from positive psychology? And is there anything in there that overlaps um, in a way with Ikigai? Well, well, positive psycho, what I love about positive psychology is that it can be learned and implemented. Mm. You know, this is a, the positive psychology is not about saying I have a mental illness and I need to be fixed or I need, uh, I, I need uh, treatment. Right. This is about saying every person has a brain. And every person has the ability to choose better, uh, uh, choose better, essentially. 
So that there are things that we can do to help us all be more or, or to, to have better mental wellness, I guess. Yes. That's what I love about positive psychology. Uh, so, and that involves, again, I mean, meditation is, is one of the steps that we can have in, in, in that uh, better, uh, better uh, self-actualization or more self-actualization, uh, spending more time exercising, getting out, moving around, doing those types of things, uh, acts of kindness, uh, those, that helps in, in uh, positive psychology as well. That can get you out of your rut. Uh, there's so many different factors in positive psychology that are, that are uh, beneficial. And that, you know, that's why I kind of based my book, How to Ikigai, uh, on, the, uh, on the practice of positive psychology. That was amazing. Yeah, also, I've just briefly, like, studied positive psychology, not formally, but informally, you know, through videos mm -hmm. and online content. And I also just love what it has to offer. Um, and just on something you mentioned earlier about the, <clears throat> about the side hustle, like starting on the side, I think that's also flipping amazing advice because for those listening and who don't know this, this podcast that I'm doing is my side hustle. It's, it's injecting into my life things that I enjoy, where I enjoy learning from other people and then passing that on to others that need the information that we speak about. So mm -hmm. once again, this is a, this is a practical example of me going outside of my normal time and doing the things that I'm passionate about. And then maybe perhaps, you know, in the near future, evolving that into a business where I can then leave my nine to five and then live a life of Ikigai. Aha. Aha. Now you've just described the essence of a side hustle. Because when you think about it, uh, there's a lot of people in the world that have side hustles. Uh, but when you think about it, you do a side hustle because it's something that you're absolutely passionate about. Yeah. And if you're really, really passionate about it, then chances are part of that dream of the side hustle is that it can turn into what has the possibility of turning into your full-time work. It has that possibility. Therein lies <laughs> the beauty of a side hustle, you know? And I think that, that, I mean, every musician, every artist, every dancer, every, every uh, uh, you know, people from the fine arts world, you know, they're so good at, at keeping that side hustle. You know, sure, there's a lot of musicians that, that, uh, that don't work full time as musicians. Mm. But they have a full time job, and, and, but then they keep up their dream of that side hustle of, of music and the same in arts or, or, or dance or whatever, you know, even in sports in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, but it's all side hustle because you're passionate about it and it has the potential of turning into something, maybe even more. Yeah. So let's quickly use this example of, of me doing the podcast. Um, yeah. Because let's say someone else was in the same position where they, they get it. So cognitively, they're like, yes, I understand Ikigai. And I know now how I'm going to go at it. Now I need to implement those steps. And we had step one, we've got the passion down and maybe we've got a strength together. We, we couple those two together and we are now busy with our side hustle. Is then the next logical step going to be the question of, how do I get paid for that? How do I get rewarded for what I'm currently doing? Is that then the next um, step of thought that they need to be following? Well, I mean, per perhaps I say that uh, I rather, I believe that uh, do the fourth step of Ikigai is to do what you can be rewarded for. Rewards are personal. I guess that's really what, what it boils down to. You know, if that, if rewards mean, uh, 
cold, hard cash, mm. then those rewards mean cold, hard cash. You know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician as well as an author. Right. But when I go and I perform, I love to perform and I love to entertain because delight is my ikigai, but I also love to get paid for it. And I love <laughs> to get paid very well for it. So, so that is, that is, uh, just the line that I've drawn in the sand, I guess. But would I do it for free? Sometimes I do. <laughs> Sometimes I do because, you know, I'm passionate about uh, uh, the, the Calgary Food Bank, for example. You know, sometimes I just go and I put on shows for the sole purpose of raising money for the Calgary Food Bank. And sometimes I do other things uh, around the community that I'm just passionate about that I do for free because it is rewarding not only for the community, but rewarding for me. I don't know. And in the case of, uh, of uh, my own Ikigai and what my own uh, experience is, is that I know that I can be rewarded by delighting people every day, regardless of whether I get paid for it or not. But I can say sometimes I do get paid for it. Well, this was amazing. You got, you gave a lot of valuable stuff. So I just want to know where can people get hold of you? If, if they want to learn more, you know, if they want to learn more about Ikigai or just get in touch with you, how do people do that? Sure. So, uh, I will point out that, uh, that my book is called how to Ikigai. It's available on Amazon right around the world. And, uh, it's uh, through mango publishing. And, uh, so by all means, pick up a copy of that because it has a lot of, a lot of this information, uh, more succinctly in, in, in a package that can travel around the world. <laughs> so, uh, that, uh, that I'm really excited about that. Uh, secondly, my website is howtoikigai.com and, uh, you can, uh, certainly reach out to me. I'd love to, uh, meet people all over the world and go around and speak to different people all around the world as well. So, uh, yeah. And aside from that, you know, you can look me up on, on, Instagram, Tim Tamashiro, or, you know, all the, all the good stuff, all the social media platforms. I'm there. <laughs> I'm so fascinated that you actually were able to get the, the name, how to Ikigai and that it, how it wasn't, hasn't been taken yet. Oh, it's just one of those, one of those weird things that just out of the blue, I just said, well, you know, I, I wanted to point out that, uh, the, the whole how to Ikigai thing, the, the magic of when you figure out what your Ikigai is. So when I was, uh, fascinated with the idea of doing a Ted talk, mm. for example. So, uh, so I contacted the people at our local Ted X, uh, in Calgary. And I said, would you be interested in this concept of Ikigai? And they went, Oh, we'd love that. So they invited me to do uh, a Ted talk on Ikigai. And I said, I want to do it uh, based on the how portion of it. So that's why I called the Ted talk, how to Ikigai. Mm. Right. So as I'm in the process of writing the Ted talk, like physically sitting at the computer writing the TED talk. Cause that's what you do. Uh, I said to my daughter, I am enjoying this process so much of, of researching and building this talk and et cetera. I said, I think I'm going to do the next step and write a book about this. And as the universe heard that <laughs> out of the blue, the very next Monday, I got an email at nine o'clock in the morning from a book scout in the UK saying, Hey, Tim, would you be interested in writing a book about Ikigai for us? And so I said, yes, I have the perfect title right here, <laughs> How to Ikigai. So it just, uh, this is, this is the magic of Ikigai and, and, and the universe or, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, 
is that, you know, when you figure out what it is that you're really, really passionate about, the world starts to take notice and, and contact you in strange ways. I love that the universe works out in such beautiful ways. And mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for that beautiful story. It's a, it's, I'm, I'm always happy to see when things just flow for people, you know, when it just goes so naturally in a way that's just meant for you. It's like how the book came together, how the tech talk came together, how the name and the branding just came together so nicely. It's beautiful. So my closing question for you would just be, what is your advice to someone who has given up on their belief in themselves? My advice is to put yourself first Mm. and to put the work in, you know, this, uh, earlier in this conversation, you and I talked about those three steps of explore, zero in and ponder. Those are steps that we have never been conditioned to think about. You know, we've always had these additional pressures outside, uh, you know, society saying you must go out and have a career. You must do this. You must do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, society is not your, your boss. <laughs> you are your boss, you know? And I think that if, if, you've, if, you've, uh, if you've given up, give yourself at least one more chance and just literally go out there and start exploring. Get out and try absolutely everything that you're fascinated in and reignite that passion in your life. Get out there and, and really start doing the things that you want to do. And that could be anything. It could be just go to the library and look up stuff. It could be just surf the net for a little while, you know? It could mean just get into your community, do some volunteering and some things that you've never, ever tried before, but you're always fascinated in, you know? Maybe you could go and uh, go to a store and say, look, you know, I've, I've always been interested in this, but I've never actually uh, done it. Can I volunteer for a day? <laughs> you know, but there's, there's so many different ways that you can go out there to explore. So, uh, so if there's people out there that have given up on their dreams, remind yourself what your dreams are and start taking some actions. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. Tim, I think the word explore has also been reiterated through this entire conversation. Like it's the theme there almost, you know, just yeah. to explore, to go outside of yourself and just to spend some time with yourself to get to know mm-hmm. yourself and to broaden your own mindset in terms of what's possible. Then you'll start building your own confidence through like the things that you just mentioned through those practical steps that you can take. You'll start to discover so much more in yourself. So yeah, with that in, in mind, um, Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for teaching the world about Ikigai. Uh, thank you for, for pushing people into the direction of just showing them, you know, what they can be passionate about and how they can live a happy a purposeful and fulfilled life. And thank you for delighting us with your message and with your ego. <laughs> it's, it's been my distinct pleasure and it was such a treat to talk to you too, Christopher. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers, Tim. Cheers. And there you go, guys. That's about it for this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, or if you liked any part of the episode, please get in touch. Please let me know via Instagram. We are on Instagram as Exploring Possibility. You can also email me at info at exploringpossibility.co.za. And then there's also lastly, like I mentioned in the intro of this episode, there's a Facebook community. And that's where we will be chatting more about all these things. And I'm trying to build this community. So we just start with a few members and then start branching out from there. But yeah, other than that, I love you to get in touch. I love you to just contact me and let me know how it was, where we can improve, which guests we can get on and how we can improve the show. 
in general. So yeah, once again, I'll see you in the next episode of Exploring Possibility. And as always, don't be afraid to go and explore and find the possibility. 